Good morning. It's great to be with you today. There are so many folks in this congregation that mean a lot to Cindy and I. Uh, we, when we were one congregation, we tracked with many of you over a couple of de decades or more. That's amazing. Um, but now we're two congregations. The kingdom's multiplied. There's an investment in two places, and I'd love to hang out all the time, but that's what heaven's going to be for. <laughs> we're going to have plenty of time in heaven. So I, I want to talk about making snap decisions and how you, if you don't make snap decisions, I'm not advocating snap decisions, but if you don't make snap decisions, uh, you, you can avoid costly consequences of those decisions. So we've been under a tremendous amount of pressure over the last couple of years, Captain Obvious here. Um, there's pandemic, rooting, lighting, rioting, and rioting and looting in major cities, political unrest from the election and the January 6th commission that's going on right now. It honestly feels like we're living in another country that's not the USA. It's, it's kind of crazy what's been going on. Um, the more frustrated the environment that we're in, the more we want to do something in haste to alleviate the pressure. That's Cap Captain Obvious again. Cracks are surfacing from the pandemic pressures, uh, it, and it's important to not make a snap decision from the pressure we're under. There are many other kinds of decisions that we can make under pressure that carry a high price. Investments. I have a friend of mine who made a decision, uh, an investment in a shady kind of thing, and he's paid for that. It went in the tank, and he's paid for that for years. Dating. When you're trying to decide who you should marry, you don't want to make that decision on a whim. <laughs> because that could cause a, grief, a lot of grief for a long time, not to mention the years of regret and grief from the loss of the relationship if it ends in divorce. So you need to be careful and not be hasty when deciding who to marry. Business decisions. A solid business plan is important. If, if you want to be successful... You need to do the market research. You, you, you need to gauge the need for the business and the potential growth of the business. If you make snap decisions in arenas like these and many others, you pay a price, possibly for decades. Pressure can cause us to make snap decisions. The pressure tempts us to make these decisions on a whim, and the Bible strongly cautions against this. This is a passage in your notes, um, Proverbs 19.2. It says, desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet 
misses the way. God, God has a way that you and I should go. He doesn't want us to miss it in haste. If you miss God's way for you, you miss all the good that he wants you to experience in life. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty only comes to poverty. Choices have consequences. Hasty decisions can ruin you financially. FOMO, the fear of missing out, makes it hard to slow down and make solid decisions. Here's, here's a meme that I like. Good, good, let FOMO flow through you. This guy's from the dark side. He, he wants to kill you. <laughs> he wants to take you out. The flow of FOMO is deadly. The FOMO draw of envy, jealousy, and comparison makes us hasty to alleviate the pressure we're under. In this message, we're going to turn FOMO around and consider the FOMO of not following Christ. If we don't do the will of God, we miss out on the blessing of God. The Bible has a lot to say about making wise decisions when the pressure is on. This week and next, we're going to look at a scriptural framework for making solid decisions. Living inside this framework is the path to the best life. And this is one reason Jesus came to earth, to give us the best life possible. So first, we must slow down and not be hasty with our decisions. God wants you to hear from him as you're walking through a decision. And to do that, we must take the time to hear what he's saying to us. To do this, we need to wrestle under the pressure and arrive at one main concern. Those of us who follow Jesus Christ, this is our main concern. The main concern is to is clear for a follower of Christ. First Peter four two says, So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. That that's we we live, those of us who follow Christ, we're to live for the will of God. We're to do his will. Genuine Christ followers are willing to stake their lives on doing God's will no matter the risk. They stake their lives on doing God's will like taking their life savings and pouring it into an investment that they believe in. That's what Christ followers do. This is what we live for. Not for what from my vantage point will be the easiest path, or the most convenient or the shrewdest choice I can make in a given decision. Our main concern with any decision is to be, what is the will of God in this matter? This is what Jesus lived for, and he's the one we follow. His life was all about doing the will of God. 
At one point, here's what Jesus told his disciples. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Food is what keeps us going in life. It brings nourishment and energy. Jesus needed food, he, he needed food to live while he lived on this earth like we all do. But what nourished and energized his soul was doing the will of God. You dry up spiritually if you live for yourself. That's just the way it works. Jesus also said in John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He's saying that he, he's not, he, he is following God's will in the choices he is making, which he did perfectly. We're not going to be perfect in following God's will. There, there's no way. We're, we're going to mess up. We're going to make wrong decisions, wrong choices. But God will be gracious. However, our aim should be to know and do the will of God. That's what 1 Peter 4, 2 said. So since we follow Christ, our life should be all about doing God's will. That's the focus. That's our main concern. Our aim should be to know God's will, to look carefully how we walk, and understand the will of the Lord like Ephesians 5 says. If we get sloppy in haste with a decision, it can dance like a sloppy acrobat who survives a long fall, but then has a long road to recovery. God will give the freedom to do what we want, but some wrong choices mean that actually God gives the freedom to do what we want, doesn't he? <laughs> he lets our mate... He, His training ground is the choices we make, good or bad. We learn to distinguish good from evil that way. But some wrong choices mean that we're going to have a long road to recovery to come back from the damage that's done by those choices. The main concern for followers of Christ is doing the will of God. And they also share a main characteristic. We do, those of us who follow Christ. Jesus' followers keep surrendering to the will of God. In the Lord's Prayer, where he was teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And every day... I start out patterning my prayer after the Lord's prayer. And so at some point I get, I get to the place where I surrender to the will of God for that very day. And I ask God to fill me and lead me through that day to accomplish his will and purpose for that day. That that's, what we're told to do. So that's what I try to do. (laughs) Um, Jesus went through the agony of the cross because it was God's will. He, He prayed this in Luke 22, 42. Father, if you're willing, 
remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Humanly speaking, he flat out did not want to suffer the agony of the cross. And I, I, I don't blame him. But he surrendered to doing God's will as he agonized in prayer. And that's what sometimes we have to do under pressure. We don't want to suffer. <laughs> that, that would be crazy. But doing God's will is better in the long run for our families and for us. And for the people around us who are attached to our decisions. Jesus showed us not to make decisions based on what is the easiest or what is the most convenient. He, he showed us to do God's will no matter what it costs. If, if it looks like living somewhere is, somewhere else is going to be better than where you're living right now, watch out, step back and try to discern God's will. If another job or a major career shift looks good right now, ask God to guide you. He will. He'll give you the guidance you need. The main concern of a follower of Christ is doing God's will. It's characteristic of his followers. Jesus said in John 10:27, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me." If you set your heart on doing the will of God, you will begin to recognize his voice as he speaks to you. Here's a shepherd He's got his sheep following him, and they, they learn to understand and recognize his voice. That's, that's what happens. We can get familiar with God's voice like a nursing baby recognizes the voice of his mother or her mother in the other room. <laughs> they... they, they sometimes immediately start crying when they hear that voice. So we discover God's will by asking the right question as we make decisions and choices. What does God want me to do right now? We don't make our lives about doing what we think will bring the most benefit and blessing to me or give me the advantage to me and my family. We, we do God's will, and it ends up being the best path to the life Jesus has promised. The main characteristics of real followers of Christ is doing the will of God, and it's their main concern and their main characteristic as well. Setting our goal... To do God's will is a mark of the redeemed, and it opens us up to do his will. It's, first of all, how we discover that Jesus is real. John seven seventeen says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. If you've been trying to figure out what it means to follow Christ, or if you've been facing a decision that has serious impact on your life, 
and you're wanting to know the will of God, um, you will never know the will of God until you decide beforehand on the front side of the decision to do the will of God. You, you will never know if um, Jesus is real until you decide to do what he says beforehand. That's how, that's how you figure it out. If anyone's will is to do God's will, you must be willing to sink your life savings into following Jesus and your whole life as well. Your, your will must be to do his will before he's going to show you that he is who he said he is. If you haven't decided to follow Christ, I, I want to invite you to say this to God as you seek the truth. If you show me you are real, I will give myself to do your will from this day forward. And he, he will. That's how you know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my authority. You've, you've decided in advance to do the will of God. Next, God's will is what God's family does. For whoever, Matthew twelve fifty says, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Family trait of the family of God is that they do the will of God. It's our main concern and it's characteristic of us. Also, doing God's will is a, a pattern of, it's characteristic of those going to heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We're not going to do the will of God perfectly. There will be some swings and misses, some misjudgments, but it's the pattern of our life it's our main concern that we focus on in every decision that we make. If we get off track, the Lord will graciously bring us back on track. And sometimes he does it through the bumps and bruises we experience by going off road, on, uh, off, off the path that he's leading us on. Doing God's will is also re rewarded by the Lord. Hebrews 1036 says, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Note, notice the order of this. You do the will of God and then you receive what is promised. It's interesting. In, endurance in this passage means remaining under pressure. And that's how you do God's will. We're living under a lot of pressure right now. More than any time I've experienced in, in history. We will receive the blessing of God as we endure in doing the will of God. This should be our number one concern. 
The number one factor that determines the outcome of our decisions is doing God's will. Staying under the pressure and focusing on doing it, his will will be the pathway to receiving all that God's promised. This is how we set up future generations to be blessed by God. We discover God's will by asking the right question. What does God want me to do? This question came to me in an eighth grade uh, English class. <laughs> uh, this is actually the question that led me to be where I am today in the role I play in church life and which includes speaking to you today. In eighth grade English class, I was considering what I wanted to do uh, if I didn't happen to make Major League Baseball. You know, I was pretty confident. I thought, hey, I was a shoe in You know, I didn't know. <laughs> it's a very small pyramid at the top of players. Um, but anyway, I, was, I, was, I thought about being a doctor, and I, I really don't like blood. So I, I thought, oh, that's not going to work. And I, I was in English class, and I, I also was thinking about being a lawyer. These were very short-lived uh, desires. Um, so I was in English class, and I thought, I think lawyers have to take a lot of English. And I didn't really like English. <laughs> and so, but at that moment, the thought came to me, what would God want you to do? Hmm. That scared me. Because the only things I could think of were pastor or missionary. I, I don't think I'd be a good missionary. So I focused on pastor. And at my eighth grade level of understanding, um, I thought all pastors were dorks. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, really, I really didn't want to do that. But I wrestled with it for eight or nine months, and I finally surrendered to do whatever God wanted me to do with my life. And that's what led me to the role I play in church. And I've never regretted surrendering to do God's will. That decision has led me to what I'm confident is my best life. It's a scary to, question to ask, really. What does God want me to do? But if you dare to ask it, you will receive what God has promised as you do God's will. Notice the order. You do God's will, then you receive what is promised. I'd like to suggest some next steps to you uh, as we wrap up uh, the message this morning. Um, here, here are a couple. God may have said something else to you. I don't want to limit to my suggestions. But first of all, tell God that your will is to do his will and ask him to show you that he is real. And then surrender to God as your main concern in a decision that you're making right now. Just, hey, it becomes very clear 
if you're trying to decide what God wants and you focus on doing and you surrender to doing God's will, it comes crystal clear. And he will show you. He, he promises in James, if any of you ask for wisdom, God will give it graciously and without reproaching. He, he gives the wisdom we need. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and your, your grace. You, we, we make decisions, bad decisions, poor judgment calls, and you still, you love us, and you're gracious to us, and you lead us. And even you weep, weave in our mistakes to... Uh, into your plan for our life. I don't know how you do that, but that's amazing. And I, I praise you, Lord, for the privilege we have of knowing you and walking with you. And I ask for the strength to take these steps that you've laid on our heart today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.